are you going to celebrate Term Limits Day? Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Term Limits Movement for the week of February 11, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. As February 27 draws near, it's time to start thinking about Term Limits Day. There's a lot to celebrate this year with resolutions moving at both the federal and the state level. Politicians need to see support for this idea everywhere they go. So do journalists. And of course, so do our neighbors. Your next door neighbors support tournaments also. They just don't know what they can do about it. U.S. Tournaments Executive Director Nick Tombalides has some ideas for them, plus some inspiring news. Hey, Nick. Greetings and salutations, Phil. All right. This week, um, I noticed that we got another senator on the federal bill. The U.S. Tournaments Amendment bill has added Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky as our latest co-sponsor. It's exciting. Um, We sort of took a step backward, though, because Tim Scott, who we reported in last week's podcast as a co-sponsor, actually hasn't co-sponsored it, at least not yet. Um, There was a uh, a mistake made in the reporting, not by us, but by the government itself, that when former Governor Rick Scott jumped on the bill, it was accidentally reported by the Senate that Tim Scott was the one who jumped on the bill. So they fixed that. So Rick Scott is indeed... The Florida senator is indeed a uh, co-sponsor, and Tim Scott in South Carolina is not yet. A, a, a mistake made by the government. Well, I, I am in a, a state <laughs> of uh, stunned disbelief uh, at that revelation. Yeah, so... Yeah, with all Rick, that experience, how could that be? I don't know. R- yeah, Rick Scott asked uh, Senator Cruz's office to get on the uh, Congressional Term Limits Resolution in the Senate, Senate Joint Resolution 1. Uh, senator Cruz's office put in that request... And uh, they put the wrong Scott on there. Um, they put Tim oh, Scott instead of Rick. Then they took Tim off. The bill went scot-free for a little while. Uh, and finally, they, they put Rick Scott on. But we can't let Tim right. Scott off the hook. I mean, we need to call this guy and be like, hey, what's going on, man? You signed the term limits pledge. You should be on that bill, too. So he did. There should really be two yeah, Scots South on the Carolina. bill. Carolina. So that's 10 members of the Senate that are on the bill, 10% of the Senate, not too shabby. And in the House, there's now 32 co-sponsors of the uh, Tournaments Amendment Bill. Five were added this last week since the last podcast. And they were Tim Burchett uh, in Tennessee, Daniel Meiser in Pennsylvania, Brian Mast in Florida, Gregory Stubbe in Florida, and Mike Johnson in Louisiana. So more and more members of the House are jumping on the bill. It's moving. It's a positive sign. Uh, we're not quite at 10% of the House yet, um, but we're, we're getting yeah. there. Uh, and we certainly have enough pledge signers to get there. Of course, we know that the Congress is very unlikely to pass this resolution with two-thirds as required for a constitutional amendment without enormous leverage. So the real news, I think, is going on in the states. Nick, yep. what happened this week? Well, uh, Doug Bandow uh, actually had an article in National Review this week um, about congressional term limits. Uh, but Doug said... Getting Congress to vote for term limits on itself is like getting demons to vote to close down hell. Um, It's just very, very (laughs) unlikely, not likely to happen absent some kind of external pressure. That's what the term limits convention is all about. I'd say action is the theme of this week for the term limits convention. You know, this is a movement of continuous progress. People are demanding term limits all across the land. Uh, And we actually had two very important hearings this week. The first one was in New Hampshire. Uh, We had a hearing on Wednesday in the House, State, and Federal Relations Committee of the New Hampshire State House. Uh, Just to give you some context, the New Hampshire legislature is as grassroots as it gets. 
Uh, there are over 400 members of the state house, uh, and they're sort of a motley crew. They really do kind of look like a, a citizen legislature in terms of the diversity that they have. Uh, so it was a tough task to, you know, get in touch with the members of this committee and get in touch with that many people in the, in the legislature. But Ken Quinn, uh, Northeast Regional Director of USTL, was up to the job. He got 3,300 total messages in to the committee members in support of the term limits convention. At the hearing on Wednesday, nearly all the testimony was on our side. We had an ex-legislator come out and speak in favor. Um, they did not take a vote. This committee will be reconvening on Wednesday to take the vote, um, but we're feeling optimistic about it. And in New Hampshire, the leadership tend to follow the committee's lead, so a positive recommendation from this committee uh, will really kick us off with a bang there. Great. What else? We had some movement in um, Iowa, which I didn't expect. Yes. Um, well, Ken, what happened Ken, there? Ken Quinn, who I just mentioned, was actually multitasking. That's uh, regional director of U.S. <laughs> term limits. This guy is incredible. Uh, I've never seen Ken and Superman in the same place at the same time. Senate Joint Resolution 11, introduced by Senator Zach Whiting in Iowa. It turns out it had just been scheduled with only 24 hours notice. So we did not know this hearing was coming up. He called into the committee on Thursday and via speakerphone made such a good case for term limits that the senators voted with him two to one. Fantastic. Two to one. Fantastic. So it was a big win that for term great. limits. And now the bill is advancing to the next stage. Uh, actually, one of the senators on the subcommittee is on the full committee uh, for state government, and he voted with us, uh, Senator Smith. So. We're going to monitor that and let you know uh, where it goes, but it's it, very, very positive development coming from Iowa. Sure it is. You know, not only did we not know that this hearing was going to be held, uh, but we also did not choose Iowa as a target state. We figured there would be some copycat states that jumped on board, even without our prompting. And we saw this in the early 90s with the initiatives that were on the ballot all across the country. In that once it was rolling and once these initiatives were getting on the ballot and being voted in by the voters with large majorities, calling for tournaments on states, individual congressional delegations, that there would be copycat states that we didn't we weren't even the ones prompting it. And that happened then. And I didn't expect it to start happening this early now till we got more states in the bag. But it looks like it's already happening. Yeah. And it's really cool because you see all these states kind of getting swept up in the national momentum of term limits. Mm -hmm. You know, they see that this issue is everywhere. People are talking about it. Our organization is leading the charge on a grassroots movement, uh, and it's inspiring people to take action. Former Senator Jim DeMint served six years in the U.S. House and then eight years in the U.S. Senate before resigning to take a position in the private sector where he felt like he could be more effective. In Congress, DeMint was an active advocate of term limits. For example, DeMint was the chief Senate sponsor of the U.S. Term Limits Amendment and even called for a non-binding Senate vote on term limits in 2012. Senators voted it down, 75 to 24. Outside of Congress, he continues to advocate for term limits and specifically calling for states to apply for an amendment proposing convention under Article 5 of the Constitution in order to enact term limits, a balanced budget, and other reforms. Here, Jim DeMint makes his case at www.prageruniversity.com. The federal government has become a lumbering giant. With each passing year, it gets bigger and scarier. In 1965, Washington was $761 billion big. In 2016, it was $3.5 trillion. 
five times the size. If the government spent only the money it collected in taxes, that would be one thing. But it always spends more, which is why we're $20 trillion in debt. That's 13 zeros. Count them. 13. But the crazy spending isn't even the worst of it. Washington is involved in every part of our lives. Think about anything you do, from driving your car to buying your groceries to mowing your lawn. Whatever it is, your education, your job, your health, the government has its hands on your shoulder, if not on your throat. As a congressman and senator for 14 years, I know this only too well. So how do we cut this giant down to size? Is it even possible? Yes. And the amazing thing is the answer is right in front of us. The Founding Fathers in their wisdom foresaw the situation we find ourselves in today. They wrote into the Constitution a way to repair Washington, not from the inside, because that will never happen, but from the outside, where it might. It's right there in Article 5. Most people are familiar with the first part. The Congress, whenever two-thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution. All 27 amendments we have now started this way. But is this the only way to amend the Constitution? Well, let's read the next clause. It says that Congress, on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments. Did you catch that? Congress must call a convention to amend the Constitution if two-thirds of the states, that's 34 states, demand it. The time has come to demand it. The time has come to propose amendments that will restore meaningful limits on federal power and authority. The time has come for a convention of states, which means it's a whole lot closer to the hands of the people. Anything else from the states? Yeah, there was, a, there was another big one, um, and I, this one I actually got to get my hands dirty, personally. So it was kind of a term limits trifecta this week for committees. We had three committee hearings. Uh, and the one I attended was in Tallahassee, the capital of Florida. It was to speak on behalf of a bill that, if it gets approved, would amend the Florida Constitution to create eight-year term limits for all school board members. And I was nervous because when I walked into the room, I immediately noticed that many of the most powerful and well-paid lobbyists in Florida were there to oppose us. I just wanted to point out, I think it's fascinating that the uh, folks in this room who have come out uh, in opposition to term limits all seem to be lobbyists. Uh, I don't really think that is a coincidence. I think term limits actually stymie the effect of lobbyists uh, by bringing in a new crop of officials on a regular basis and not allowing lobbyists to hold control over one incumbent uh, for a very long time. So I think there's an inherent conflict of interest in having so many lobbyists come up and oppose term limits. And there are two things I just wanted to note. I did not hear a single example of a local small community uh, that has ever voted down any form of term limits. In fact, that example really doesn't exist. Term limits pass everywhere they are on the ballot. I live in a city of about 15,000 people. We have term limits on our city council. There are cities of about 5,000 people uh, that have term limits on their councils. And it is, is almost like insulting to suggest that a community is too small to have the talent pool to find two or three people to stand for school board election um, every two years. Uh, I think they can certainly do that and will definitely enrich the, the diversity of our government.
With respect to the debate on 8 versus 12, um, just like to remind you a little bit of history, in 2005, the Florida legislature actually placed on the statewide ballot a constitutional amendment that would have lengthened the term limits for the state legislators, for you folks, uh, from 8 to 12 years. And the public outcry against that measure was so severe that the legislature was actually forced to revoke it from the ballot in 2006 before it could get on. So eight-year term limits are, are very, very popular in Florida. Every law that's been initiated by the citizens here is for eight years, and that's why I think you should go with that for school boards. And when people ask, well, why eight years? Well, look at the jobs that already have an eight-year term limit. The governor has an eight-year term limit. The cabinet has an eight-year term limit. State legislators, countless local positions, and the president of the United States has an eight-year term limit. If any school board members believe that they need more time to learn their jobs than the leader of the free world, then frankly, they're in the wrong profession and they should resign. No amount of terms will fix that. Here in Florida, eight-year term limits have been the rising tide that lifts all boats. We're the most fiscally sound state in America. We've left behind the era of lawyers and lobbyists cooking up policies in smoke-filled rooms. We now have a citizen legislature that reflects the diversity of our people. Since term limits passed, we've elected more farmers, more teachers, more doctors, more business people, more women, and more African Americans. This is what John Adams described when he said, a legislature should be an exact portrait of the people. It should think, feel, reason, and act like them. All of you up here should really pat yourselves on the back because you are what the founders envisioned for our country, a citizen legislature. Now it's time to apply this same wisdom to school boards. Governor DeSantis has said school boards suffer from the same untamed incumbency that paralyzes Congress. He's right. School board incumbents have worse turnover than the Soviet Politburo. Their re-election rates exceed 80%, and nearly half of them run unopposed, meaning many voters don't even have the power to dethrone their incumbent. Education is too important to be entrusted to cynical career politicians. We need statesmen and stateswomen with a sense of urgency who can change the system before it changes them. So if you want to enrich our democracy, level the playing field, get fresh faces and ideas, we need eight-year term limits for school boards. Thank you. Thank you. So the lobbyists came out to derail us, but they failed mm -hmm. miserably because the bill passed the committee unanimously. 15 votes Fantastic. for school board term limits, zero votes against us. Legislators in bipartisan, Florida. Bipartisan, of course. Bi totally bipartisan vote. So the legislators in Florida listen to the people over the swamp monsters. Mark your calendars. February 27th is National Term Limits Day, and it's less than a month away. With a renewed push to impose term limits on the U.S. Congress, a new national day has emerged from the term limits movement. The idea is simple enough. On February 27th each year, everyone is encouraged to make a show of public support for term limits. Remind the politicians that our support is not passive. If term limits are good enough for the president, they're good enough for Congress. You probably already know that the battle for term limits is taking place on two major fronts simultaneously, in Congress and in the states. Here are some ideas for February 27th Term Limits Day activism. Post a term limit sign in your yard. You can make one of your own or purchase one from our store at termlimits.com shop. Another thing you can do is hang a pro-term limits banner over a busy overpass. Maybe something like Happy Term Limits Day, February 27th. You can also organize a sign wave at a busy intersection. 
grab a couple of friends and make some homemade signs that say, honk if you love term limits, and enjoy the public support you'll hear from passersby. Use Term Limits Day as your annual reminder to contact your state and local representatives on this issue. Go to termlimits.com legislators and use our easy peasy online tool to contact both your federal senators and your U.S. House rep. Wish them a happy Term Limits Day. And finally, you can take a selfie holding a happy Term Limits Day sign and post it on your social media. Make sure you use the hashtag Term Limits Day. Because February 27th is less than a month away, we ask that you start preparing your actions now so that you're ready at least a week before. That's why we're offering you 10% off all items in our Term Limits store if you purchase before February 15th at termlimits.com shop. Whatever you decide to do, send pictures to Term Limits Day at termlimits.com and it will be shared with hundreds of thousands of fellow Term Limits supporters just like you. What has started as a day of action may well serve as an annual celebration of the people's victory. You can make history by saying you were our February 27th Term Limits Day founder. Is democracy in retreat? The watchdog group Freedom House thinks so. Freedom in the World is Freedom House's flagship annual report, assessing the condition of political rights and civil liberties around the world. It's composed of numerical ratings and descriptive texts for 195 countries and 14 territories. Freedom in the World has been published since 1973 and has become the most well-known report of its kind. In the 2019 edition, Freedom in the World points to the 13th consecutive year of decline in global freedom. According to the authors, the reversal has spanned a variety of countries in every region, from long-standing democracies like the United States to consolidated authoritarian regimes like China and Russia. The overall losses are still shallow compared to the great gains of the late 20th century, but the pattern is consistent and ominous. Democracy is in retreat. Democratic norms such as free and fair elections and free expression are being shattered. The report cites evidence from around the world, including governments that find ways to control election results while sustaining the veneer and the mechanics of competitive balloting. Freedom House's scores for elections, for instance, have declined at twice the rate of other freedom indicators globally over the last three years. Specifically, quote, the principle of term limits for executives, which have a long provenance in democracies and spread around the world after the end of the Cold War, is weakening. According to Freedom House's data, Leaders in 34 countries have tried to revise term limits and have been successful 31 times since the 13-year global decline began. Attacks on term limits have been especially prominent in Africa, Latin America, and the former Soviet Union. Challenging this trend, and perhaps in reaction to it, in the United States, the term limits movement is resurgent and continues to bring competitive elections and regular rotation in office to new jurisdictions in every election cycle. Progress is also being made at the national level, where states are calling for a national amendment proposing convention to limit terms and empower voters. If we win, future editions of Freedom in the World might tell the story of how the United States, by example, re-energized democracy across the globe. Let's win and find out. Nick, what do you plan on doing for Term Limits Day? I'm organizing uh, several sine waves 
in my community. I've right. been um, speaking out locally about Term Limits Day, trying to gin up some enthusiasm. A lot of people don't even know the history of the presidential term limits amendment. So it's been great to you know talk about how it was proposed and, and ratified in 1951. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've been doing is distributing signs to people in my community. And on Term Limits Day, right around rush hour, we're going to go to the busiest intersection in town uh, and we're going to wave signs and try to just raise awareness for term limits to people who are, who are passing by. Um, one thing that's Good. important about Term Limits Day, don't have to overthink it. It can be very simple. It can be very grassroots. Anything you do to try oh, to get sure. the word out in your community is a step forward. Everyone should try to make some public show of support, no matter how simple, on that day, which is February 27th. I remember one time that Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, our latest uh, co-sponsor of the Senate U.S. Term Limits Amendment Bill, uh, he once told me that you have to have pressure being applied to Congress from all angles. And he said that the president is a very important one. We need pressure from the people. On Tournament's Day, we can show that publicly. We need pressure from the states with passing these Tournament's Convention bills. And we need pressure from the president of the United States banging his fist on the pulpit and saying, let's get down to business, Congress. You know where the people want this. This is for the benefit of the country. Let's get it done. When you have that pressure coming from um, all sides like this, that's when Congress can be forced to act. If a president makes term limits a key issue in his campaign and a key issue of his presidency, 100 years from now, when kids are reading their history books in school, the number one thing that's going to be mentioned is going to be that this is the president that got his term limits on the Congress. Thanks for joining us. This week's mission, should you decide to accept it, decide how you're going to show support for term limits on February 27th and take the necessary steps now to be ready. This might be as simple as ordering a t-shirt from termlimits.com store or reaching out to your area's term limits coordinator and asking for a yard sign. Whatever you're going to do, please prepare now before it's too late. And feel free to contact us to discuss any ideas at podcast at termlimits.com. And of course, if you haven't already, Please subscribe to this podcast. You can use the Apple Podcast app, Stitcher, or Google Play, or please rate and review us at iTunes. Keep the pressure on. Over 80% of America wants term limits. The politicians can only triumph if good men and women do nothing. We'll be back next week. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. Oh my God, I didn't realize the all politicians suck sign is for sale on our website. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It is. I'm sorry. It wasn't my idea, but I didn't, uh, I didn't take it down. I saw it and I, (laughs) I didn't stop it from occurring. I, 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 by the way, when we say all politicians suck, our tongues are firmly planted inside of our cheeks. Yes, we have a lot of friends who are politicians a lot of people are working very hard on trying to help us get tournaments uh, tournaments conventions uh bills passed and etc but
Yeah, but somehow it's still funny, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> wow.